Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to One Billion Raving Fans, a podcast from the people at Waitwell. I'm your host, Shannon Bannermulen. I'm fascinated by the art and science of service excellence. Why do some brands have customers who are so loyal that they act like raving fans? Our guests share their perspectives on customer experience and offer tips you can use to create a culture of fandom around your business. I'm here today with Shauna Tommy. She's the executive director at the Crowfoot Village Family Practice in Calgary. And today we're going to be talking about uh, patient experience and designing clinics that work for patients. Welcome, Shauna. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So talking about patient experience, so, you know, customer experience is a huge field. There's so much written about it. But why do you think we think of patient experience differently than how we think of customer experience? That's a big, big topic and a big, big question. I don't know if there's a textbook answer, but I think that, you know, as a leader in healthcare and my experience working with patients over the last 20 years, I see healthcare as a system where we treat patients like they're lucky to have us, uh, not that we're lucky to have them. And I sometimes wonder if that's in the way the system is funded. In Canada, it's publicly funded and paid for by the government versus relying on patients to be paying for services. So, Crowfoot village family practice has a funding model that is fundamentally different than what we're used to where we live in Canada. Can you just talk a little bit about the clinic, sort of its origins, what the funding model is, and what makes it a different place for patients to get care? So as the name would suggest, of course, we're a family practice. We're publicly funded, located in Northwest Calgary, and we provide team-based comprehensive care to about 23,000 patients from Calgary and the surrounding area. Publicly funded, not everybody knows what that means. That means we're funded by the Alberta government. And there's a lot of ways that the Alberta government can fund physicians to provide care to patients. The most common is actually something called fee-for-service. And that's what I would refer to as an activity-based payment structure, where essentially every time a physician sees you, they're billing for your care. There's a couple rules associated with fee-for-service. The first is that the physician has to see you in person. We call it whites of the eyes. So not by a team member. When they see you, they can see you for one issue per visit or bill you for one issue per visit. There are ways that they can kind of extend that. And that has more to do with the time they spend with you versus the number of medical concerns that you might have. And there's certainly in fee-for-service an emphasis on in-person care versus other alternatives like telephone or video. So those, to me, feel like barriers in some cases. At Crowfoot, we have what's called a patient-based funding model. So instead of being paid every time we see a patient, we're actually paid a lump sum of funding for a patient's care for the year. That lump sum is dictated by the Alberta government, and it's based on the age and sex of a patient. 
And the way that they derive how much we're paid is how much the average patient of that same age and sex is paid in the fee-for-service system. So we're paid kind of the average that a fee-for-service physician would be. But what it does is it's a bit transformative, really, in that that lump sum comes to Crowfoot, and then we get to use it to design the way that we deliver care and design it based on what our patient needs are, and we can evolve that over time. So we're not bound by the whites of the eyes thing. We have a large team of health professionals who work to full scope of practice who can see the patient. So we really get to emphasize the patient getting care by the absolute right provider. We can use a variety of methods, including in-person. We can do email visits, telephone, video very easily. And we strive to offer same-day, next-day care. So very timely care because it's really important that you have consistency in the care that you're getting. Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to complaints about healthcare, timeliness and ability to get appointments and to arrive for appointments and be seen in a reasonable time frame is right at the top of the list. So when you bring new patients into your clinic, what is the typical sort of experience that patients go through? Like, does it take them a while to adjust to this new framework? Yeah, so it's interesting timing to answer this question. So no matter where you are in the health system, the first time that you meet with a physician, whether it's at our clinic or anywhere else, that visit is going to be called a meet and greet visit. And that's really an opportunity for the patient and physician to get to know each other a little better and decide deliberately to enter into a therapeutic relationship. So that certainly happens at Crowfoot, but that visit is a bit more extensive so that we can teach patients about our clinic and how care works at our clinic. It's certainly not something patients are used to. They're not used to coming to one place for all of their care. They're not used to a large team, those kinds of things. So um, there's a bit of an orientation, actually, and it can take a little while for patients. The reason it's an interesting time to answer that question is because patient experience is something that really matters at Crowfoot. And we've just formed a new program at Crowfoot called Patient Experience Partners. So we've recruited about 160 volunteers who've signed up to join our experience squad and work with us to design care together. So the first project that we're having our patient experience partners look at is the new patient intake process. So how a patient joins our clinic, what that feels like, the information they need, and how that should go. So that's what we're looking at about over the next 45 days or so. And we've got some fantastic and very interesting feedback. And I suspect that we will fundamentally change the way that we do it based on what we're hearing so far. I think that's so interesting that you say that because, you know, like I was saying, my doctor never gave me an orientation. I didn't learn how the relationship was going to be managed, anything like that. But I also think it's really interesting because the whole idea of patient-centered care, it's a term that's out there. People use it all the time. And yet, I think it can be a little bit over-applied. How does patient-centered care for you relate to the concept of what you've referred to before as patient co-design? What's the difference between those two? So, you know, I think of Crowfoot's mission, which is to provide outstanding care in a patient-centered health home. So we use the term patient-centered in our mission. So what does that mean to us? It means that we surround the patient with a team of professionals. And as I mentioned before, those professionals are all working to full scope to provide the best care possible for the patient, that the patient has multiple ways to access care, that they have administrative supports, and that they have education on how to use the health system, and that we 
we communicate well with them at all times. So they never feel alone in the health system. That's how I would define patient-centered. That said, what we're learning is actually patients don't want to be in the center. They want to be shoulder to shoulder with their health team. And that's actually something called patient-partnered. So when we look at our patient experience program, really what we're saying is we need to move away from patient-centered because as much as we're trying to do something right for the patient, again, even patient-centered is something that was designed for patients instead of with patients. And so we're really trying to step into patients as partners in their care. And that means they're with us every step of the way. You know, I have multiple hats when as the executive director of Crowfoot. Yes, I am what I do, but I'm also a patient in a fee-for-service system in Alberta. My family are patients as well in the fee-for-service system. I'm a taxpayer and I'm a voter. So I wear all of those hats when I look at what we do at Crowfoot. And sometimes I think my patient hat doesn't always serve me well. Uh, So I think that we do need to bring our own patients into the fold because we still end up designing things for them instead of with them. Do you ever have patients who you bring into the practice and it isn't the right fit for them? And how does that work? How do you approach that? Yeah, that happens. So I think like anything, that's an important conversation to have because I think those are also learning opportunities. So I'll give you an example of where that most commonly happens in our practice. So we receive a lump sum of funding for a patient's care for the year. And that means if they go elsewhere to get care and that provider bills the province fee for service, we pay for that care. Crowfoot will pay for that care because we've actually already been paid to care for the patient. And it's one of the reasons we offer same day, next day care. So patients never feel like they have to go somewhere else. But there are patients who actually want to. They want to go to the walk-in by their house. They want to go to the same place their aunt goes sometimes. They don't want to come to the same place all the time. And that's not a patient that's going to be a great fit for our practice, both because there's inconsistency in their care, which makes it really challenging to provide them with the best quality care. And also because you have two or three visits outside of Crowfoot and essentially that's completely eroded any funding that we would have received to care for you for the year. So that would be that's challenging for us. So those are conversations that we have with the patient. Often we try to see if there's a way that we can work together to make it work or to address concerns in the patient. And sometimes the patient chooses to leave Crowfoot because they do actually prefer the fee-for-service system or they prefer that flexibility and wanting to go anywhere they want to go. We talked just a little bit earlier on about patient experience versus customer experience and how as patients, sometimes we don't have the same expectations that we do as a fee-paying customer. Another aspect, I think, where sort of patient experience or the clinic setting can sort of diverge from, you know, a retail setting or a hotel setting, for example, is just when it comes to feedback. There's a lot of research right now around healthcare providers and how they're feeling like we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's been a really, really difficult couple of years. Why do you think it is that healthcare providers often interpret negative feedback or process it differently than, for example, people who work in hospitality? I would say, first of all, you know, when we get feedback... Yeah, it definitely, it's a big deal. And I think that there are feelings associated with that feedback. It's always a learning experience. But that said, if you think about the fundamental differences between something in the hotel industry, as you were mentioning, that's 
pretty much transactional, right? I don't know the person behind the counter. I don't have a connection with them. I don't have a relationship with them. I'm exchanging money for a service or a product. Whereas in healthcare, fundamentally, healthcare is driven by relationships. It's driven by trust and it's driven by an immense amount of vulnerability. And so I think fundamentally feedback is going to hit differently because they're actually very different experiences. And how are healthcare workers doing? I mean, we've been told that they're experiencing a lot of burnout, that there are, you know, mental health concerns. It's been a really, really challenging two years, probably the worst couple of years in the history of medicine. How are things going? Should we be concerned? Yes. It's something that keeps me awake at night. We have a team of about 100 people to make Crowfoot run, and it's on my mind all of the time. Our people are phenomenal, and I'm so proud of our team. I'm immensely proud of what they've done in the past two years, and they are also not okay, right? They're human beings just like the rest of us, and so they experience the world and the pandemic and stress just the same as we do, and they kind of have to leave that when they come to Crowfoot, or maybe not leave it, but you have to put it somewhere so that you can safely do your job and also have enough empathy and compassion to be able to deliver care and support our patients through everything that they're going through. So I worry about our people. They're caring a lot right now. And as amazing as they are and as resilient as they are, I'm actually starting to detest the word resiliency. I think it's overused. And I think we it's almost dismissive in terms of what our people are going through. But I can tell you from a Crofa perspective, yes, we're definitely seeing people who are tired and burnt out and they still show up every day and they're still amazing. They're still superheroes. They're just they're still <laughs> superheroes. That's right. But they're, yeah. but they're allowed to have feelings. Yep. Yeah. So you have this wonderful phrase that you use at your clinic, um, share the halo. Can you tell us what, what does that mean and where did that come from? Yeah, absolutely. It's a phrase that's fundamental to, I think, patient experience at Crowfoot. So we talked before about patient-centered care and we talked about team at Crowfoot Village Family Practice. So in addition to physicians, patients at Crowfoot will receive care by pharmacists who are certified diabetic educators, behavioral health consultant who's generally a psychologist or a social worker, a health management nurse who manages patients with chronic disease. We have registered nurses, we have a nurse practitioner, and we have respiratory educators. So when a patient calls our practice and they need care, the first thing we try to figure out is what health professional is best suited to care for you today. Patients often expect that they're going to see a physician. And so we know that there's a tendency to be reluctant to see someone else that I might not perceive I have the same relationship with. So we use something called Share the Halo, which is really that, you know, when Dr. Ward is seeing Mrs. Schmoo and he sees that her sugars indicate that she is pre-diabetic, he is going to want her to see pharmacist Esmond. And he will say to her, I have a pharmacist that I work with on my team and he is an expert in diabetes and he is absolutely the best person to provide you with care. And I would really like it if you went and saw Esmond and talked to him about your diabetes. And patients do because, of course, they want to work in partnership with their providers. And pretty soon they build that same trusting relationship with our extended team members. But it starts with sharing the halo and teaching patients that it's a team of professionals that are surrounding them versus your physician. And we perceive that, you know, the buck stops with the physician. So we really have to do our best to change the way patients see how healthcare can work. 
That's that's fundamentally different. And it's it's interesting because a lot of the research around patient experience shows that the majority of the complaints are not about the actual treatment that patients get, but around other aspects of the experience, for example, booking the appointment or arriving for the appointment. What do you do in order to create a relationship between not just the doctor and the patient, but the other caregivers? So you mentioned pharmacists, for example, but even things like the receptionist or the clinic managers. Yeah, so we're a large clinic, as you've probably gathered again, 23,000 patients, but we're actually broken into really small teams. So currently we have four teams within Crowfoot. And so when you're a patient, you might be a patient of, again, Dr. Wards, but you're then actually a patient of the yellow team. So on your yellow team, when you phone in, you're going to talk to Bonnie or Wendy. If you are in the clinic today, you're going to be seen by both Dr. Ward and Nurse Alex. And so you start to develop a relationship with the people on your team. You know you're a yellow patient, and patients love knowing what color they are in our clinic. So what we're trying to do, you know, I think of the Peter Drucker quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast, and culture for us extends to our patients as well. Um, It's not uh, just for our team members. And so we really try to foster culture with our patients, and I think that really also fosters their understanding, their knowledge, and their connection to all of our team members, not just their physician. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I I know from personal experience, I know my doctor really well. I've had the same doctor for 20 years. I don't know anybody else at the clinic. I I don't know the name of the people at the front desk. They're lovely. I, I chat with them on the phone. I chat with them when I come in, but I don't have a relationship with them. I don't know who they are. And I think that that sounds like a fundamental difference there for me. Yeah. And I think also we just on our website actually profiled a number of CVF peers who've been at Crowfoot for 10 years. In 2021, we have nine people celebrating 10-year anniversaries. And I think of Nurse Barb. So Nurse Barb was a nurse at CVFP for 30 years. She retired in, I want to say, May of this year. And last week, Nurse Barb dropped by for a visit. And and that's what I love about Crowfoot is this is somebody who dedicated 30 years of her nursing career to our patients in our clinic. And now that she's retired, she still comes back to see us. And it's so lovely to hear how she's spending her retirement. So I think that's the other part is that often our team at Crowfoot, you want to create a culture that people want to stay and be part of. And that's how patients foster relationships is you have that longevity and that commitment from the people. When we spoke before, we also talked about an acronym that you use in order to help you to sort of be, um, you know, what we call in software agile. So being able to act quickly. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So the acronym that you're referring to, we use it all the time. It's again, part of the Crowfoot vernacular. It's PDSA. And that stands for Plan, Do, Study, Act. So if you take a step back at Crowfoot, Our values are integrity, excellence, relationships, and innovation. And what that means is we have a commitment constantly to making sure that we're delivering healthcare in the best way possible to our patients and that we're working in the best way possible as a team. And that requires continuous quality improvement. So we are constantly evaluating how we're delivering clinical care, our administrative and our workflow processes, and we're tweaking them, I would say. So a PDSA really stands for a small cycle where you can try a theory or practice a theory that might have an improvement on patient experience or staff experience or an outcome, and you can test it to see if it works. So you plan what you're going to do, 
you do it, you study it, and then you act, which means acting might mean replicating it. Acting might be tweaking it more or adjusting or even abandoning it. So we use PDSA cycles constantly in the clinic to make sure that we're very safely evaluating and innovating the entire experience at Crowfoot patient experience, there's there's case for delivering great patient experience from a business point of view. Obviously, clinics that are better run are going to be more profitable. They're going to be able to retain staff better. They're going to, you know, as you've talked about, you have lots of long-term staff, but they also deliver better patient outcomes. What evidence do you have that Crowfoot Village is able to deliver a standard of care that actually creates better health outcomes for its patients? You know, we can talk about all the wonderful things that we do, but measurement and evaluation are fundamental and core, both to Crowfoot Village Family Practice, but in the healthcare system. So in Alberta, we're very fortunate to have an organization called the Health Quality Council of Alberta, and they are independent from Crowfoot, and they evaluate essentially the health system or components of the health system in Alberta. So we work with the HQCA to study and evaluate Crowfoot. They recently conducted a 10-year study of our clinic, and they also do annual studies as well. In the 10-year study, they found that patients of Crowfoot are actually seen less frequently in emergency department, and their length of stay if they're admitted to hospital is significantly shorter, like about 40% shorter than the average Calgarian. And so when you look at that, those expensive acute care care services, that equates to cost savings for the health system that benefits all Albertans. The HQCA deduced that annually, the Crowfoot cohort saves the health system $4.3 million per year. And over a 10-year period from about 2008 to 2017, our clinic saved the health system $57.3 million. That's very impressive. So it truly is about quality of life for patients. We really do want to be able to provide you with the best care possible in the community and prevent you from being hospitalized. And so you can, you know, like Oprah says, live your best life. (laughs) That's great. It sounds like an amazing place. So what you're talking about there is sort of an external review that is done periodically in order to assess the effectiveness of the clinic and and the model that you use. What do you do internally to measure the effectiveness of your care? Yes. So we have an internal process as well, and we are pulling data all the time so that we're monitoring and evaluating essentially daily. So uh, in our structure, uh, I'm the executive director. I work in partnership with a medical director, Dr. Janet Reynolds. And on our team, we also have a quality improvement director, Dr. Karen Siegel. And we are constantly looking at data from our practice. One of the most important metrics is our wait time. So how soon a patient can see us and the goal being same day, next day, ideally. That's certainly been really tricky in the pandemic as so many people people have needed care, but that's what we strive to do. And and so when our data shows us that we're not, uh, it allows us to plan and PDSA so that we can shift that. We also look at what's happening health-wise for our patients, what patients are seeing us for commonly, how we can improve those experiences. Do we need to adjust our team or bring a new team member on to help us support patients? We look at things like how do we empower the team to support patients, people with diabetes or heart failure or COP and how do we enhance the care that they get and how do we prove that the things that we're doing to enhance the care are actually working to improve the health of those populations. So we pull that health data, some of it's daily, some of it's weekly, and some of it's quarterly, but Janet, Karen, and I are constantly looking at that. 
and and then responding to it with our team. So you've, you've talked about culture, and I love that expression, culture eats strategy for breakfast. But, you know, obviously, culture has a lot to do with how you support your team so that they can really show up for your patients. And in a healthcare setting, obviously, this is even more important. Mm-hmm. What do you do in order to support the well-being of the providers, the healthcare providers, and, and everybody who works at the clinic? Because obviously everyone's been under a lot of stress in you know, dealing with extraordinary healthcare needs, but also in a, in a really challenging environment, I mean, having to wear masks, having to deal with people who are really under a lot of a lot of strain, and then added to all of that, the you know the the level of distrust that that's that's appeared, these sort of cracks in in society that have appeared of um, people not trusting the the healthcare or believing the the healthcare advice that's been given, um, you know, in in keeping in mind all of the the challenges that that have happened in the last couple of years how do you, how do you support people through that yeah so the institute for health information has something called a quadruple aim which is a framework in healthcare that we that we at crowfoot use to design pretty much everything we do so quadruple obviously four uh, so the first is access and that's that patients can get access to care the second is quality that we're delivering quality care the third is cost of care, so keeping costs efficient. And the fourth is uh, provider, and that's any healthcare professional satisfaction and making sure that we're caring for our health providers. So it's a it's a it's a very important component to health and often gets missed. So for us at Crowfoot, I think that every human being has the same basic need, and that's to feel safe. People need to feel safe, safe in terms of safe to be able to do their jobs, that they have psychological safety and some security in being part of an organization. So that's the first thing we do at Crowfoot to foster culture is ensure that our people have safety, that they have connection with the people who lead them. And that's by truly regular one-on-one check-ins with all of our staff all of the time, as well as our physicians constantly to see how they're doing and that it's it's safe to not be okay and then to offer supports to help work through that with them. At Crowfoot, we also have lots of opportunities to foster connection. Some of that is very casual connection where, you know, we have staff events as safely as we can in COVID. So certainly in keeping with restrictions and wearing the proper PPE, et cetera, but fostering connection casually but also even formally where we have regular team meetings. And like a football team, we actually have a daily team huddle. So all of our little teams in the clinic get together at 8.30 in the morning and they have a protected time for about half an hour to talk about their day, to plan their day, to talk about anything that they're anticipating coming up, to inform team members of things they might not know, to debrief if something went sideways yesterday, or just to talk about how they're doing and tell a funny story. So I think that fostering safety and connection are sort of the basis for it, but it extends to things like opportunities for learning and development and making sure you know what fills your, your the cups of all, uh, all your people who work for you, and also making sure that you're paying them fairly and supporting them well, offering benefits that are designed for their needs, offering an, an employee wellness program, and employee family assistance. All of those things are necessary. Yeah, they absolutely are. And I'd, I'd love to think that everybody who's participating in our healthcare system is getting that. But it sounds like you're going over and above what other providers are able to do right now. I think that, you know, if we want our patient experience and their quality of care to be the best, that actually starts with our providers, right? Our providers need to feel nurtured and cared for and safe if they're going to provide care that feels nurturing and safe. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we have to walk the walk. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. The people are are the foundation of everything. That there is no such thing as as an exceptional customer experience without a staff that feel supported and safe and recognized as humans as well as as in their staff function. So it's it's wonderful to hear that Crowfoot Village is taking those steps to to support everyone who works there. Shauna, it's been wonderful talking with you. Is there any questions I didn't ask you? I think you kind of hit all the high points. I I really appreciate the opportunity to chat about Crowfoot and what we've been up to. And uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to connect. It's been great. I want to thank you for your time. If you're interested in connecting with Shauna or learning more about Crowfoot Village uh, family practice, check out the show notes. We'll have all the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to One Billion Raving Fans. If you enjoyed listening, please follow or subscribe and tell a friend. Visit www.waitwell.ca to download a tip sheet you can use to create one billion raving fans for your business. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.